love Drew. Because I don't want to say I miss him, but <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, it is a little bit. Welcome to How College Works, listeners. So we're in. Uh, we're now fully into the spring semester. You are as well. And so we were thought we'd talk about why classes change, which is, may not be a thing unless you have like an upper class person who's like, oh, you can borrow my notes, mm -hmm. or hey, you can borrow my textbook, and then you walk into class and you're like, I got all the stuff, and like it is totally different. And now you are kind of blindsided by the need to sort of catch up from where you thought you were. So. Well, and I mean, I'm thinking about it right now because we have to submit textbook orders soon. Yeah. And um, we have to decide for like first year seminar which books we're going to use, if we're going to keep things, if we're going to switch it up, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. So it's on my mind. Plus, we have spring break coming up and it's not a break. <laughs> yeah, not so much for us. No, I'm going to grade, and then I really do need to start thinking about textbook selections for the fall. Yeah, I need to grade, and they'll be going to a conference. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that, too. And then go to another conference. Yeah. It'll be very conferency for me. Yeah, sorry. But that, we'll come back, we'll circle back to conferences. Okay. But, <clears throat> so when I went to high school, there was a high school teacher there, Ron Wilging. Shout out. Ooh, I don't know if he's still alive. He was an old dude when I was there, and he retired right before I actually Aww. you know, took classes from him. He taught Latin. Oh. I might have told you this story. I don't remember. <clears throat> My sister took Latin, four years of Latin from King, as everybody called him. And I'm pretty sure he created the Ron Will King, the scholarship Latin give you money to go to college thing for my sister because, oh. you know, she was... Super perfect student. It's a shadow I lived in. I did okay. Um, but the stories about Ging were like kind of insane. You would be like, I don't know if you know Latin. Latin is the root for all the Romance languages, so like the in different endings for different things, declensions. I, mean, I know that, but I'm sure you're speaking to our right. listeners. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Being a language rhetorician type person, you're yeah. probably aware. I've done a couple of worksheets. <laughs> <laughs> You've been to a foreign country once or twice. A few times, yeah. yeah. So, so you would have to you translate something as the stories go. You translate something and you would give the declension or ending of, I don't even remember the proper terms for verbs versus nouns or whatever. Yeah, I don't know that. And... So you do like a, an oos, a U.S. sound instead of a, an oos, an O.S. sound. Say. Oh, I, I can know some Latin because we're singing in Latin. Mm -hmm. I, I've done a lot of that. Yeah. Okay. So he would, <laughs> so you'd be like, hey, here's my translation. And be like, Melody, I think you mean oos. He'd be like, no. no. Gang, I'm pretty sure it's, 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 it's oos. Book two, page 35. Lord. And then you would open up the second, the second Latin book, turn to page 35, and there is that word declined on the page, mm -hmm. and he would be right. So not only did he like know Latin, which of course he should know Latin, he'd been teaching Latin forever, uh, but also he knew the book so well that he knew every page that every word was sort of laid out on. I don't know any book like that. I don't know any book like that either. So, listeners... 
I would, I, I would be dead inside <laughs> if I had known a book. If I'd been teaching a class with the same book for so long that I knew everything in it at that level, class would be a chore. But, I mean, Latin is a little different than, say, writing or physics, that things are still happening in. Most of the physics we teach is, is history decided and yeah. like we're not really changing our description of electricity and magnetism. It's a missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can you can like fully redo the curriculum. Yeah, right? but, yeah. And, and Latin, I'm sure, is the same way that there are there is a but different. We we, we are learning. Yeah, I can understand the curricular part, but like we're learning. I mean, we're science is still a thing. Latin is. It's kind of done evolving. <laughs> By definition. Yeah. It's, it's a dead language. It's very dead. So, I mean, just to give him the benefit of the doubt. And maybe that was the perfect textbook for that. I don't know. That, I, have, I have no idea. I can't find a perfect textbook for anything. I, yeah, I don't know that I've found a perfect textbook for anything. I am not motivated to write my own textbook. It's a lot of work. We'd probably build it, be building on a lot of foundations that other people have done, so... Yeah, might, might as well cut to the chase and use their textbook. But the the real point though is <laughs> things evolve. Our pedagogy, like the way we teach, evolves, and that leads to different curricula. That's the plural of curriculum, listeners. So, is that Latin? Yes, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so it's um. And so our 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 courses change sometimes because. There's been developments in the field. Economics textbooks change, I well, think, I would hope so. quite rapidly because our understanding of economies and how they work and our examples of them become, you know, much more sort of current. Or they're always current, but they're not always current in the textbook. Yeah. You know, like a digital currency was not a thing when we mm. went to high school. No, and now we're like... That, There's like a bunch of them. Yeah. I would. I never learned about like anything remote. Bitcoin took me a second to wrap my brains around, because I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I I do not understand the particulars of Bitcoin, but like, all right, sure, it's a Bitcoin. I, I've I've watched a few documentaries. <laughs> so it's some of these things are changing very rapidly, and you need to have an up to date textbook if you're doing programming. A computer. On a yeah, computer yeah, okay. programming. <laughs> that's it, like from year to year. Like what is sort of like the leading edge in terms of languages and how they're used and that sort of a thing is, is changing incredibly rapidly. Yeah, or anything that uses programs, not just computer programming, but like web design. Like mm -hmm. Dreamweaver had a new update, which required an entire new textbook. And so you can't teach the new update from the old textbook. It doesn't work that way. No, no, yeah. yeah. It's like trying to, it's like if you ever had a, an app that changed, changed a lot. And you well, can't use... recently people were really upset about Snapchat. Oh. I get. I mean, I don't have it, but I guess the platform changed just enough that people were like, I hate the new Snapchat. <laughs> in fact, this is what I heard on the news, that Kylie Jenner... Oh, oh Lord. Kylie? Kendall? I don't know. One of those, um, like, said something disparaging on, like, Twitter about, the new Snapchat. The stock dropped. <laughs> like, the... Like, at the hour she posted it, there was a huge decline because she didn't like it anymore. That happened last week. Yeah. So if I can put that in an economics textbook, you'll have to update it. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think students aren't really always sure why we change textbooks. 
and they can get expensive. And I, my students are like, well, are you using the same textbook next year? I'm like, actually, no, I need to go to the new version. And I do try to, to say one version or so. Like, Mind. yeah, well, <laughs> kind of. Um, like, so if a new version comes out this year, I'll wait a year to adopt it so that there are used copies on the market. Um, because usually, at least for writing, even like technical professional writing, one year is not going to make a huge difference. Um, now, I can understand why like economics professors or somebody would probably want to adopt that as soon as possible. But they're like, well, why aren't you keeping this one? And I'm like, well, it's telling you how to do a job search on <laughs> job search engines that no longer exist. Or, you know, or like there's a, a way to, there's new new free, like, document design programs or something mm-hmm. like that so yeah some, some of the so some of it is is content some of it is presentation for me sometimes it's just I get bored and checked out <laughs> so, well, right. and, and if I'm checked out on my textbook that's not good yeah. it's not good for my students you know so also for things like MLA in Chicago those citation styles these updated every like five-ish Years, I think. It depends. Like, right, APA's latest update was in 2009, and they haven't wow. had another one yet. I mean, it was highly controversial, so maybe they're just waiting. Um, but, like, MLA's, I don't remember how long the other one was, but it just came out not too long ago. But, yeah, yeah. so I can't have a textbook that's MLA 7th edition whenever I'm expecting you to do 8th edition. Right, and those do get updated because five years ago... Ten years ago, certain research ten years ago. was very different. Well, research was very different in terms of citation. For there are things now that didn't exist. Right. Like they won't tell you how to cite a tweet. Yeah. Because it wasn't, wasn't a, a thing. thing. You know, and or so, like a YouTube video. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, there's a bunch of things that are sort of that have come up because you know our social media is shifting much faster now than it. I mean, you could go a hundred years without any change, anything back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, my English colleague is really good at this, but I might get this wrong, so just whatever. You can leave a nasty comment if you want. I think the original MLA manuscript um, or MLA handbook came out in 1977, and it had five <laughs> citations. Like, here's how you cite books, article, like journal articles, newspapers, magazines, and interviews. I'm pretty sure those were the five. The only, the only way to get information. Yeah. I, yeah. You mean you couldn't email? No. You couldn't even do an email correspondence. I mean, computers were things that lived in gym-sized buildings. Yeah. And like definitely not, building. not for personal correspondence. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> you know, only for, like, strategic defense. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so it, it's just very different. And students ask me that all the time. Why? Why do they keep changing? And I'm like, to make your lives miserable. Not really. It's not about I, you. Part of, part, <laughs> part of the reason that things like MLA and, and well, maybe not APA, but you know, maybe Chicago changed so much is because they, you are, or students change so much, mm-hmm. you know, the, and, and society is changing so much. I mean, let's be honest, my grandparents are not changing much. My parents are not changing a whole lot. You know, I've certainly had conversations, you know, with older colleagues. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, well, how about this or that? Like, yeah, don't do that. I was like, Okay. okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I just, I just don't do that. But the youth, the, the youth, youth <laughs> is, you know, creating new things and, and having whole new ways to present information. Right. So I definitely remember a few years ago before MLA came out with their new edition, like I had to basically cobble together citations for how to do tweets mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. So I'm like, okay, we're going to treat it like this and this. And we're going to, this is my best logical guess because it literally did not exist. 
Um, but luckily they came around. So, so that's one reason things change is that like the world changes. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> Like, yeah. Like for economics or citation, like literally the world is changing and they're updating to try to stay on top of, you know, these rapidly changing fields. Another. Uh, you mentioned a boredom. Boredom. I, yeah, I will. I am, I am on track to change my astronomy textbook because I'm getting to the point where I don't even need to just like pass my eyeballs over the section headings within, within the chapter. And. Uh, that's not good. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not good because it means that I'm not digging into it, and so I'm not staying. Uh, I have a harder time remembering now exactly what my students are reading, and so you know their base level of understanding, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so it's it makes it more difficult, and it, it can make it for a more disjointed experience for them. And it's I think it's better to like go for like a bit of a reach. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, here, I'm going to try this one. It's going to, it, maybe it's a bit of a reach. Maybe it's a little over their heads. Um, but it'll keep me more engaged. And that also means that I'm going to be more aware of what's going on. I'm, I'm going to, you know, be more aware of the pitfalls that they're going to sort of be missing, be flagging stuff while I'm doing and be like, okay, coming into class ready because I've read this and therefore, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, they're going to have confusion here and here. I'm, and I'm planning how to address that. And it's not the kind of thing that happens when I'm like, ah, oh, you know, properties of stars. Mm, yeah, I got that. You know, I'm not <laughs> planning where my students are going to have difficulty or how to address it because it feels like I already know it and what they're going to say. But the problem is, like, every class is different, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, I don't know that I get bored with the text so mm-hmm. much as, well, I'm just thinking about my research writing class. I don't really have a text. I, so it's... I usually just bring in a bunch of other pieces to kind of, like, I guess you could call it almost like a reading packet, but I don't, like, mm-hmm. distribute it or whatever. I, I can get bored with assignments, as you might guess. Assignments kind of are the backbone of writing uh, classes. And so I get tired of looking at the same stuff semester after semester. Um, and so we do have, like, coordinated assignment sequences, but there's some wiggle room within those to make them my own. I'm like, oh, I just read about this um, w- this new way of looking at something, or somebody did, I'm going to try that. And, like, pushing them, but also pushing myself. So I will try to teach something I haven't taught before. Um, try to, I don't know, just... Or I'm like, okay, how can I make this more relevant to them? So in my professional writing class, we're doing written technical instructions. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> but I'm this like, is what my dad did for a while. Hey, this is really important stuff, and it is not easy. So I actually made the writing requirements a little um, shorter and added a video component mm-hmm. because I think that they need to be able to both write instructions and also present instructions in a video fashion. Mm-hmm. So we're working on that right now. So that's a, a new thing. I tried that for the first time last spring. And I liked it. I'm going to keep going. But then somebody else asked me, well, could we do an infographic? And I'm like, oh, my God, why didn't I think about that? Like, I could actually have them do all three, that genre bending sort of thing. So how do you adapt for each different genre? So I'm thinking about changing that because a student mentioned that. And I was like, that's pretty smart. And Canvas so easy. And, like, we could probably put something together in a couple of class periods. And they're still – they're building their resume. They're building their skills. Mm -hmm. 
they're doing things that employers or grad schools are looking for them to know how to do. So I'm changing my curriculum to not only keep myself engaged, engaged and interested, but to also make my students competitive and know what they're doing when they go out mm-hmm. for internships or go out for on the job market. Yeah. So this is one of the things that we, we talked about, like, things were, like there wasn't Twitter like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but one of the things, if you like go like back in the day, like when our students' parents are probably a little older than us at this point. Maybe. I don't know. So I, we're doing generational studies in my 102 class, and I was asking, well, are your parents Gen X or baby boomers? And so I have some Gen X parents and some baby boomer parents. So the, um, the mode of, of, of writing, of training of, of writing, would have been very much in the Word, just just words. Yes, like, alphabetic text. Right. You know, there. When you talk about multimodal, mm-hmm. that means is that you're including text and images and uh, video, sound, yeah, sound. So, yeah. You know, to, to, together in, in multiple ways. So an infographic mixes this sort of text, which has to be there, but right. also with this. You know, so it's primarily image. driven by image. So like right. they're written instructions. It, they can't just use images. They have to, the images support the it's text. It's not an Ikea right. like assembly catalog. It has Those to... things drive me crazy anyway, right? But then like the infographic would be primarily using the images with the text as support, right. right? And then the video is throwing out all the text, although you'll be speaking things, mm-hmm. so, so that will be different. Um, but how do you how do you write, work to that? And they're like, can I do I have to record the entire instructions because it might be a real? I only have three to five minutes. I'm not gonna. I'm like, no. Maybe you need to zoom in to a particular portion. Like I'm gonna focus on this step of the instructions. Um, so they, yeah, it's yeah. so that's been sort interesting. Of, <laughs> you know, writing maybe yeah, writing composing. quotes, composing that kind of instruction is something that didn't no. exist. You know, no, uh, I, until relatively recently, and so curricula change to reflect that also some of that type of multimodal existed people made films people Mm -hmm. made ad copy you know i don't know if our students are watching mad men but you know Mm -hmm. advertisers were doing this sort of thing but it was specialized work well and you didn't have access to those like the the machinery the equipment the programs later on to those things those have only recently become like open so we use audacity open source audio Mm -hmm. editing software I just asked the IT people to download it, and we go through it. And so that was not available. I don't know when that came out. Sorry, Audacity people. I use you like crazy, but I don't know. Um, but it was like, so stuff like that has made this possible. Right, and that changes rapidly. Yes. Like it wasn't, in, I mean, video editing, like, for free that was, like, good is not until really Recent, recently, yeah. you know, yeah. by our our standards. Well, or that was also accessible to non-experts because right. sometimes like I pull up even like um, InDesign. <laughs> it's a lot of program. It is a lot of program. And so you can't just be like, oh, we're going to use this because then it, that's like people take whole classes on that. Well, like so if you're on Instagram, it has all the filters and you can yeah. adjust some things and it's really user friendly. And so that's the level of Photoshop. Photoshop. I have seen nah. full blown Photoshop. It is rough. It, it it takes a lot. My wife does Photoshop Good on vacation stuff, and she's done it for years. But that's part of the reason she can do it is because, you know, she's spent a lot of time 
learning and how to, to do be. this white balance and all this other stuff. So I don't know whenever you took like, or if you don't, I didn't take your book, but people who had your book, they had these very specialized like layout programs and stuff. And so you only got that experience if you took the yearbook class or the journalism class, um, and they paid for that. And but now you can get a lot of I'm not I don't know what they use, but you can get very similar products for free, and so that changes things. So now I can assign those kinds of things. Like so, we're very much designing our technical instructions, and like I expect it to have these like elements of design, whereas. We would have to type them on like a simple word processing program, um, or possibly I learned to type on an electric typewriter. Really? Yes, I did. <laughs> that was a programmer, so we actually had a computer uh, from when I went from an early age for me. But oh. that was it was uncommon. Yeah, yeah. It was super uncommon. It also um, didn't have a hard drive. Oh. It has two five-inch floppy drives. We digress. What's <laughs> <laughs> a floppy? Just Don't kidding. Worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's a save icon. <laughs> Yeah, it is. That yeah. is the save icon. That's the three-inch floppy icon. Um, so one, you know, so one reason that the curriculum changes is because just like life, life changes. Yeah. Um, well, and I think what we were just saying too is connected to that. So one, boredom for us, but also boredom for students. But also things are changing, so we have to adapt to those changes. Like I'm always thinking, what best serves my students when they go out into the real world, and that is not the same as it was. 10 years ago. Another thing which uh, affects curriculum design is uh, just understanding how people learn. Yeah. So cognitive psychology and understanding. Yeah, and we're still learning about that. Yeah, that, that is not like my understanding. Not an expert. <laughs> uh, about like, cognitive like, psychology? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's advanced a lot. A, a lot of the things that you know I try to remember in terms of how I structure my classes come from basically at heart cognitive psychology mm-hmm. uh, but it's not like settled it's not like like this yeah. is the way it works we don't know we don't know very much about the brain <laughs> Relatively I mean speaking. we don't right there's yeah. like so much we don't know yeah. we you can we have a whole lot about the brain but we're all like in terms of how much there is to probably figure out we don't know that much. much yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the universe or something something like that okay <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so like we learn how people learn better and that changes the way that you structure the curriculum and that's when I say curriculum for me it means what order topics come in in my textbook how they are explained in the textbook. This connects back to a previous episode it just dawned on me where I told you that a colleague came in and said oh I just heard that students you know take they don't actually learn anything when they're taking notes on their computer or Mm -hmm. whatever and she was thinking about you know, banning laptops, which was a whole other thing. But that was based on research. Like she had read a study and she was um, adapting her pedagogy to new information that she had just learned. And that's essentially what you're talking about. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You know, and so, so that's, you know, we learn how people learn. We shift the way we present information, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and I don't, mine's, yeah, learning how people write, which is, connected to how people learn but there's almost two things to it right like how you learn and how you learn to write mm-hmm. um but that's constantly changing too we're still we're still doing t- like research all the time to try to figure out well how do we teach this the best how do people learn it the best how do they transfer it the best and we don't have the answers we have a good enough answer for now but right we, yeah we're I mean, always I mean, looking I mean, that's that's the way sort of academia is is that like we're 
people come here because they want to understand. They want they're searching for answers. But that doesn't. It's not like you go in, raid the temple, grab the jewel thing, whatever, come back, done. Yeah. No, it's like no, it's like exploring a continent that never ends. Yeah. You know, there's always something. There's always another horizon to sort of like tease out information and understanding from. Um, Which, I don't know. People might not think that that sounds like it. Sound it could sound tedious, but it's actually pretty exciting for I like I think for us. Yeah, I mean. People who do this find it super engaging. There are yeah. people who do speed runs on video games. I am not interested. I might watch one every once in a while, but it's like the level of commitment it takes to like figure out how to do that, meh, not so much for me. But for them, it's like, mm, it's like they're driven to do it. Yeah. So people who study fundamental physics or how writing centers work and how they're effective and how they're not effective, this is passionate for them. Yeah, it's for me too. <laughs> I don't know. So, like, uh, I also, you like, this is, I have creative outlets, but for me, teaching is a creative endeavor. And so, like, how, I'm like, oh, how can I do this differently? Or maybe how can I mash these two things together or whatever? So, like, for me, some of it is, it is trial and error. Sometimes my ideas don't pan out at all, which, whatever. It's fine. You gotta try. Yeah, I do. And uh, or I'm like, wow, that is really not my style. Like somebody else can pull it off, but I try it. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, usually, those things I think we try to like, you know, shield our students from. We like, do. If you try, it's like, this did not work. You usually sort of sort of thing where, don't worry about this. Yeah. Or I'm gonna grade this really easy. You yeah. Know, or or whatever. Or so attach that, it to something not worth a lot of points. Right. So that we're not like I'm gonna go way out on a limb, and your grade is gonna sink or swim based on how well I yeah, do. Yeah. I don't take risks like that. <laughs> I don't take risks with other people's grades. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, and there are times when I would try, and I usually would do it like for a day. I'm like, okay, let's try this, and if it bombs, I'm like, okay. I'll just add another day to like, figure out how to like you know kind of put them back on track or whatever. Um, but it is creative. I get to try new things. I go to conferences and get new ideas, and I get excited to come back and implement those. Um, or I'm talking with people or reading about a book is all like, and it presents it in this way. Like one of the reasons I use the book that I do is because they're like we emphasize momentum and energy as the fundamental mm. concept in physics like yes yes absolutely you know so that restructures the entire book right. the entire way we talk about physics changes when those become the underpinnings and not newton's laws right which are good so that's interesting because i mean of course i'm so like thinking about my own field but i never really thought about how that kind of stuff would affect other other subjects because right now in writing writing about writing is one of the huge movements and it's like hey it's presenting writing as its own discipline which is new and people don't always like it but like I'm like yes you know like (laughs) uh, this is what I'm looking for or I'm looking for something to how to make writing the center of a writing class as opposed to a topic or whatever Mm -hmm. um and so like I reframing things can be like it's still the same content but we're just thinking about it packaged in a different way. Which is the kind of thing we do all the time throughout our graduate and undergraduate and postgraduate you know, lives is like you keep coming back to these ideas but seeing them in different contexts. Mm-hmm. And so there's this understanding that the expert in the field has about things. Like for a physicist, like if you look at a problem, I would be like, that's energy. You should use momentum. Whereas the student's all like, that's an inclined plane. <laughs> you know, and so like if they... 
the the divisions are much more fine because they don't see how it connects. You mm. don't see how these different things are actually part of us of a whole, mm-hmm. you know. And so this, you know, our in your just our experience in like taking I took something like sixty hours of physics courses, credit hours of physics courses, and then went to grad school. And yeah. I was like, I see these things coming back and coming back and coming back in different ways. And you do a bunch of writing. Do run writing centers, take classes about writing centers, do research about writing centers. You see how all this stuff sort of comes back, comes back, comes back. Constantly. And then you're like, well, I could teach this class in the way I was taught to me, and that's where I'm going to start because you've got to start somewhere. You should start where you're comfortable. And it's safe. And it's safe. And then you're like, well, maybe I should, if I, maybe I could do better for my students. Right. Maybe I can get them to understand this better than I would have if I was in their shoes because this way makes more sense yeah well and something recently happened in writing center studies too so there are these different handbooks for training tutors and you know there were these similar handbooks who kind of did the same thing you know they had chapters about working with different kinds of writers working with different kinds of writing you know you know like do this don't do that kind of situation and then we have this new textbook that came out and it's actually about research in the writing center and it reframes everything in a different way mm-hmm. and again it's like <laughs> wow yeah um and so just thinking about uh, those people those are the cool people <laughs> you know? yeah i want to be those people writing center rock stars yeah so yeah so why do why do courses change we get bored we get inspired inspired but yeah. also bored yeah you know, we might get bored to change. We might get inspired to change. You know, mm-hmm. the subject might just be changing, yeah, super fast. Um, or our understandings on how we should be presenting it. Mm-hmm. But I think from a field standpoint, like reframing physics as momentum and energy and energy, yeah. yay! Or reframing teaching writing as writing as a subject versus all oh we actually just learn something about how people learn, right? Yeah, or how people write, and then so that can change things too. So it's also movements within the field, but also movements within pedagogy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so usually, I mean, it's a lot of people out there. Some people might change classes, the course, just to be a pain. I don't, I don't have time know why. For that. that is a it's, lot of work. It is a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work. I don't know who would be spiteful enough to be like, I want to screw with the students. They I'm also are screwing with themselves. Yeah. So, like, anytime I switch a textbook, I'm like, golly. Even if I want the fundamental, like, skeleton structure of the class to be the same, I have to go through that entire textbook and figure out which pieces still fit with what I'm doing and which new pieces from the textbook can I introduce and where. It is like a huge cognitive undertaking. I do not do it for fun. Or yeah, for spite. I am. And I do a lot of things for spite, but that is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot of work. It's a lot yeah. of work. Um, also, students seem to, I don't know, they act like that we pick textbooks. I don't know why they, what they think we're doing. Or we're switching textbooks because, oh, it's just what you do. And I'm, Or maybe they think we're getting paid. I don't know. I'm getting nothing. I get nothing. I get nothing. I don't even get courted by publishers. Yeah. As far as I know. I, I'm oh. not aware of physicists. I mean, phys- like, you don't go to a con- I'm not aware of anyone going to a conference and having, like, Macmillan show up and be all like, hey, everybody, we're, show- we're throwing a Macmillan party. Come use our textbook. Like, that, that's oh, well, not a thing that happens. It happens in 
in composition because if you think about huge schools that's true who all use the same textbooks for like composition one and composition two there's thousands and thousands of dollars at stake absolutely i mean i'm sure that's true for physics as well but i th- professors tend to write the books and we tend to adopt the professor's curricula that we like i don't know if it's i don't know how much of a how many hooks they can get into us yeah uh, well, I mean, and I, I guess I don't want to be, I'm pursued by publishers, but I do get several emails a semester asking if I've made decisions. And maybe, I think that's just a difference in the fields. Um, Probably so. I like think everybody has to take English. Right. Not everybody has to take physics. Yes. Um, even though we're a terribly small school, maybe they don't realize that. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but if I'm the person making the decision about which textbook all of our sections of first year writing or writing 102 will take that's that's a, you're landing an account essentially as a textbook representative. Yeah, it's not a giant account, but it's an account. Yeah. And I used to when I worked at a different like just um mid-sized regional university about 8,000 students. Um they would, like, the textbook, it was Bedford St. Martin's, their huge English producer. They, she'd come wheeling her little book, like, she had, like, a little... Book trolley. Yeah, on campus and be like, hey, have you thought about your books for next semester? List, she would sit... Listeners, I wish you could see, like, just the motions that yeah. Melody is making right now, which are <laughs> uh, very twee. I'm a very animated speaker. Um, so she'd be like, hey, she'd, like, give me her little card, just email me, and she'd walk you through anything. Um, and remember, like, when we adopted that, the Bedford book for the first year seminar, they just kept sending me all of this information. Oh, do this, online this, I also this, kept blah, blah, blah. getting stuff from them since yeah. I had that book as well. And so they're very up in your business. Right. Um, that being said, it's nice because they are able to take out a lot of time in that research stage. Like if you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know which book. I'm like, so first year seminar was a new class for us. I sent emails to like four different of our people and I said, here's what we're doing. What do you have that you think might fit? And they would send me back the titles. I'd go look at it online. Yes, send me desk copies or no, that's not going to work. Um, and so they did some of that work for me, if that makes sense. That makes sense. So it's nice to have those textbook reps um, because they do know those books inside and out. And they've been, they know, you know, oh, well, actually, we've just added this part to this, or you can customize the book to do that. And you're like, okay. Um, where it would take me hours and hours to figure that out. They can to, send you'd me. You'd have to read the book. Yeah, I don't have time for that. So that way they're very helpful. But I don't get any benefits. Mm. I, if I was a textbook representative, I'd get benefits <laughs> for selling these books, but I don't get anything. I I choose textbooks based on. Well, I do. Price is probably one of my one of my top three, like criteria. A curriculum is my top one. Business textbooks yeah. tend to be kind of ridiculously expensive. Oh, so you don't? They're all going to be pricey. If you want a two two semester course sequence, then mm-hmm. they're pretty pricey. Um, if I was like, this book, if I saw this, this book is $500, I'd be like, no. no. Right. <laughs> like, so there are some books that the prices automatically puts them in the no column. Right. Um, and if I'm looking at two books and they're pretty much the same, but one is $95 and the other is $25, I'm going to pick the $25 one. <laughs> I just am. Yeah, it's not like the publisher is going to give you a kickback. No, it doesn't matter. You, yeah. Although, out of curiosity, what is the Bedford St. Martin party like? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, so at the largest conference for composition people, uh, the Four C's, which is the one you'll be attending, yay! Um, they they supply food and drink for anybody who wants to attend. Um, so, one of our so last year, I don't think I went to the Bedford party, um, but the year before that was in Houston, and we were at a baseball stadium. They like rented out the baseball stadium. For the Houston Astros. I think so. I don't know. It was downtown? Is that downtown? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, ask my I aunt. Know. My aunt Debbie would know. Hi, anyway, Aunt Debbie. <laughs> we walked to this place, and so we couldn't go out in the field, but we could sit in the little chairs. And they had, like, all the huge space around where people walk. They had food stations and bars set up. And they had, like... Wait, an entire stadium. Well, like, I don't know. I didn't go through the whole thing. I'm not sure. I only stayed in my little part. Um, and they had live music. And so, like... Um, this is insane. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. They're like, here's your drink tickets. And so you get so many free drinks, and then you can buy after that that one. Sometimes they just have open bars, which is a little nuts. My mind is blown here. And they're like, okay, we have, so they're like, we have hot dogs. So they had, that was like stadium food. Oh, okay. But like at an, and they had popcorn and nachos, and but it was better because it was catered. No offense. I would hope it's better than stadium food. Yeah, but it was like, that was the theme, right? Um, and then in the St. Louis one, they had they like they had people just sawing off like meat off of like huge chunks of beef or whatever, and they had like cheese tables. What have I done with my life? I don't I, know. I'm in the wrong field. <laughs> well, we'll see that they will court equally me, who has like control over a hundred textbooks, versus someone else from an R1 institute who's like literally 10, yes. Books. So yeah. like to them, they're treating everybody equally. But if they get that one person who has ten thousand textbooks or right. whatever, they and have scored royally, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because that's a that's a big sale. So they can afford to drop, I don't know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars on these parties because they're making that money with a singular book deal. That's insane. Well on that note. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let me just be very clear. The humanities don't have very many perks. Hey, I, but well, publisher I will not parties. <laughs> Let me have a publisher party. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's usually just appetizers. And I just, drinks. I just imagine that you go to a conference and for most of it, it's just super, like, boring for most people, and then the last night's like the hangover. No. So they actually, they're a different publisher hosts the party every night. Oh, so every night's like the hangover. Kind of. We went to a publisher party once in St. Louis that was at a speakeasy, like you, like it had, I don't know, and then they had this. Uh, moonshine and I was like moonshine what yeah but certainly yeah and I was a grad student then so as soon as like the little book guys were like hey blah blah where do you guys teach and as soon as they found out we were grad students like anyway they moved on (laughs) (laughs) because we had no power that's right yeah you have you have no but they were like enjoy your drinks because they weren't paying for it their company was they didn't care huh yeah okay that's the only glamorous thing I have in my life that's pretty glamorous pretty glamorous (laughs) All right, so we don't change courses because we're mean. It's a lot of work for us. And the yeah. only kickback I get is one party a year <laughs> if I go, if I pay. Do you know how much that conference was? It was like $300? Yeah, I think it was 300 for you. I'm a member. I think it was 250 My, you know, I'm paying a lot to go to these conferences, yeah. and so they better if give you, me a glass go, of wine. If you go for the party, that's a $300 party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I deserve like a glass of wine and a freaking appetizer. Don't try to... Buy, buy back that, that ticket cost. Yeah, yeah. But, so things change. We're trying to make things better for you. 
yeah. all about you. It's all about you. It actually is. is it? Yeah, have... yeah, we do. Yeah, we do it because we think it's going to make more sense. It's going to be better. It's going to make prepare. you better. Yeah. I mean, so. yeah, that's what it comes down to. Wow, I got super excited talking about parties. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you listeners have a question for me, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm uh, at Dr. Hyland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D. Or shoot me an email, peter.o.hyland, H-Y-L-A-N-D, at gmail.com. We'll see you next week, unless it's spring break. It, it is spring It is. Yeah. 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 So we'll be on hiatus. We'll <laughs> Yay, see you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.